you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It is the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. I've got an excellent guest on the show today in the form of Tom Poland, who you can see, hopefully, in front of you on the live stream, waving. Excellent, with a lovely smile there. Tom is a multiple best-selling author specializing in lead generation for professionals with clients in over 150 cities around the world. Gosh, I have to put my teeth in, Tom. He's best known for his marketing with webinars model, which we're going to be talking a lot about tonight. He says that he's voluntarily married and lives and works from his home on the sunny sunshine coast of Australia. Welcome from around the other side of the world, Tom. G'day, Robin, um, and all, all full respect to you being up at this late hour in London while it's early. The sun has just come up here in Australia. I'm battling on. Do you know, it's been, it's been a, a tough couple of days. I was partying hard all weekend. Uh, it was my daughter's eighth birthday, so we hit it. We had, yeah, crazy sleepovers and all sorts of fun stuff like that. So, yes, I'm feeling it today, Tom, definitely feeling it today. They're the, they're the toughest sort of parties when you've got sleepovers. <laughs> I think they were, they didn't get to sleep until 10 and we're up again about three, I think. So, yeah, it's a well, great it's time. The giggling gals. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about webinars. So um, why why webinars? I, I think the big thing is the scalable. You know, I, I, I ran over 500 physical marketing events. It's a lot. Over many years, you know, we, we'd send out direct mail letters or whatever. We'd get people filling them in or a conference center and strap my stuff for a couple of hours and hand out feedback forms and people tick the box. Say, yeah, I'd like to talk about becoming a client. Very, very effective marketing method. But with webinars, you get scaled beyond imagination almost. It's, you know, as, as you mentioned in the bio, we've had clients 151 or something countries around the world, cities, I should say, around the world, um, that's extraordinary, and and I do it all from you know sitting here in, in our in our in our house in the rainforest and on the sunshine coast of, of Australia. Um, it's just unbeatable scalability, and and I also love the diversity of that scalability. So the geographical reach we have, clients in Europe, the UK, North America, Australia, South Africa, Singapore, Hong Kong, and goes on, New Zealand, and so on. I love the cultural diversity that that webinars bring when we start working with clients, but even on a call. So I guess in a word, it's, it's scalability and all sorts of things flow out of that, efficiencies uh, and also incredibly effective still. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I can speak for the effectiveness. We actually had a client in Fearless Business who um, he's an, a coach for accountants, and he ran some um, uh, YouTube ads actually. And you don't actually need big numbers in order to have a successful webinar either. So he got six people signed up for the webinar. They all showed up, and he was able to close twelve thousand pounds of business out of it. So you don't. It doesn't need to be like a, a you know hundreds and thousands of you know people on these webinars either, does it? I really, I really like the point you're making here because a lot of people imagine that you have to, you know, if I don't have 4,000 people on a webinar, I'm a failure. Um, and particularly with high ticket items, when I mean, he's probably got, you know, a reasonably high ticket item if he's targeting accountants, um, you don't have to have big numbers there. And the ratios are completely different. If you have smaller numbers, you're going to have a much higher percentage conversion from attendee to client. If you have bigger numbers, all the ratios drop. 
the end result might be bigger, but your ratios drop. So, for example, if you have 4,000 people register, you might have 1,000 attendees. If you have 10 people register, you're probably going to get seven attendees. Numbers lower, ratios higher. And that's true of all marketing. The bigger the numbers, the lower the ratios. So you don't have to start big. Important thing, actually, of course, is just to start. Yeah. So it's, well, it's going to be one of my next questions, actually. So where where is a good place to start? I mean, I, I see a lot of people would probably struggle with even just kind of putting a stake in the ground and picking a date, for example, if they're going to do the webinar live um, and, and making that commitment to themselves. Right. Look, that, that's my modus operandi. That's the default. That's the way my brain works is you set a date. Okay, I'm going to run my first webinar six weeks out or what it happens to be. And the deadline is there. And, uh, you know, I've got, I've got people committed to attend. Now I've got to build the darn thing. But not everyone operates well under that sort of pressure. So part of a, my philosophy in business is that people have to follow their own personality, their own inclinations. If you're like me and it gets done uh, and you have a deadline and you thrive on that sort of pressure, then you should go that way. But if you're one of these people that wants all the I's dotted and the T's crossed before you launch, otherwise you're just gonna, not going to sleep well, don't destroy your health. It's not worth it. You know, do, do it your way is what I'm saying. So, so you know, I used to teach to everyone is, is, is you know, if, if it was a product or a service, sell some tickets, sell some clients, and then you commit it, you know, have a start date. But uh, some people just just feel too, too too much pressure or stressor under that. I do think that for those of you who don't sleep well at night until the eyes are dotted and T's are crossed, just push the date out a bit further. Make it make it twelve weeks instead of six weeks. But it is it is critically important to start. And you know, fearless is on your t-shirt. Fearless is on the background. I've suffered a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. And when I when I'm kind of on stage, whether it's a physical event or a digital event. I think people might make the mistake of thinking that I'm just a supremely confident, relaxed individual. Um, and for those for those of you out there that do suffer from anxiety, and my anxiety is just garden variety, it's nothing to, to write home about. Freud would not have a field day with me. But it's still stuff you have to work through. And, it's, and, and my great encouragement to people, I'll just get this in while I can, is a lot of this is playing the mental game. A lot of it about is moving through the anxiety and backing yourself, your first instinct. If your first instinct is webinars, um, scalability, I love this idea, then move through the anxiety that you will suffer inevitably in making that a reality. That, that's really important. If we want to start at a starting point, that would be the first commitment to make intellectually or intentionally is I'm going to move through this, I'm going to make it a reality regardless of my anxiety around it. So how how does that anxiety tend to show up and, and at what point as well? Great question. Fabulous question. Boy, two questions there. So um, the anxiety first shows up, uh, you know, very often after someone commits to a program or a methodology or pays some money to a business coach or to our program or whatever. They, of course, there's some bias remorse anxiety. Have I done the right thing? But they normally get involved with their coach or our program, or whatever it is, and those anxieties are placated. There's several stages you move through when making marketing with work webinars a successful reality. And there's what I call the backroom stuff, and then there's the front room stuff. And if you can imagine a retail shop, there's a back room where they have the stock and where people are busy doing inventory with computers and, and everything else. And there's a front room, which is the people engagement. So with webinars, the back room is you're preparing your slides. You're making sure the title is going to get cut through and is going to motivate the right people to attend. It's all the backroom stuff. 
The front room stuff is generating the audiences and having human contact with people that can generate audiences and get, get people to attend your webinar for you and so on. So the first point of anxiety is when people make the commitment and you know, psychologists and psychiatrists tell us there's actually a split moment of insanity when people go from consideration to commitment. So you're considering running webinars, you're committed and the commitment looks like I've paid some money to these people that can help me put this thing together. That split moment of insanity, you overcome that. Then this buyer's remorse. And the third stage is I am about to get to the front end where I have to talk to people. And that's where a lot of people drop out. That's where a lot of people start to doubt themselves. Uh, and that's that would be my great encouragement to, to push through that. I, I can imagine as well. Stage, I was going to say, I can imagine as well, there's probably quite a lot of overwhelm in that process of actually trying to pull together a, a webinar. Like what content do I actually choose that is going to engage people? It's quite a lot of, like, you know, a lot of pressure, which people will probably put themselves under too. Yeah. yeah. And and one of, the, one of the challenges there is that people get advice from a lot of different people. They go to YouTube and say, well, let's have a look at webinars and maybe they buy my book or someone else's book and they get, so they get this, this myriad of ideas and it becomes paralysis, you know, from analysis, which idea. So what, what I like to do for clients and what I've tried to do in the book is to break it down into a step-by-step process. It is complex. There's landing pages, there's registration pages, there's email follow-ups, there's, there's a whole sequence which you might talk about in the actual presentation itself. So if you try to digest all of that in one sitting, you're, you're going to have a bellyache or you're going to have a headache more likely. So it's got to be broken down in a series of steps. You, it's the old thing, you know, journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Might be cliche, but it's true. People think unconsciously, if I don't launch, I can't fail. If I launch, there is this possibility of feeling disappointment. We hate feeling disappointment. We'll do anything to protect our kids from disappointment, for example. You know, a partner, we don't want our loved ones to feel disappointed. We don't want to feel disappointed. So if I don't launch, I'm not going to be disappointed. I'll just go and chase another squirrel somewhere and I'll have that excitement instead. <laughs> so there, there are a lot of mental phases to move through, but... That said, we can talk more about the physical things that have to happen, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to chasing squirrels. Well, not me. Will, but my dog is very used to chasing squirrels. He'll chase <laughs> any squirrel. Like He'll try and get up the tree if he can. But um, yeah, I, I can, I, I mean, I've been through, I've done webinars and live presentations in the past as well. And I think um, one of the biggest mistakes I feel I've made is trying to cram in far too much into like a short space of time. Mm. And a, mm. as a rough rule of thumb, one of the... Um, one of the things which I learned over the years of doing sort of presentations and things is to never have more than one slide per minute of content that you've actually got to deliver. Um, and that, that I found the pacing of that is quite nice because there are some you kind of flick through quite quickly. There are other concepts where you probably want to dwell a little bit. So when you start to kind of um, nail down the structure of that, that webinar, that must be quite key, not just to overwhelm yourself as a speaker, but also not to overwhelm the person watching it as well. Right. Well, it, it depends on the purpose of the webinar, but with, with, with a training webinar, you've got to go at a very slow pace and check in with people and ask questions and have them, you know, breakout groups and so on. And a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that a marketing webinar should be run like a training webinar. And they're actually very different beasts. So they have a different structure. They have a different objective. Uh, so um, the one minute per slide is, is a pretty good benchmark. If you have a look at something like a, net, a modern Netflix program or Prime or, or whatever, BBC, doesn't really matter. If you have a look at uh, a television program, 
and particularly a modern one, you'll find that the screen will change on average between two and five seconds. Every two to five seconds, there's a screen change. There's a camera angle change, there's zooming in, there's a panning out, there's a completely different scene, lights go on, people are moving, but it is this constant change of screen. And it's not as, as critical with a training webinar where people are dedicated and hopefully they've opted in to learn something, their attention span will be longer. But with a marketing webinar, we have to constantly be varying what people are seeing and what they're hearing, the pace that they're hearing it at, at to maintain engagement. Because unlike Netflix or something like that, where people generally have one device they're looking at, on a webinar, they're probably going to be on a laptop, a tablet, or a computer. They've got Facebook they can check. They've got Outlook they can check. They've got God knows whatever, the mobile phones in front of them as well. So the webinar is competing with multiple competitors versus a big screen TV where you only really have less change channel if I'm not interested. So Absolutely. it's got to be, it's got to be engaging. And if it's if it's not captivating, it's not going to be marketing. What, so what are some of the sort of mis- biggest mistakes people make then when they're, you know, when they are making a webinar? The, well, the first big mistake is, is they have a title which is product or service centric. So this is, this is about our FPOS marketing software or it's about our coaching services or come and see, uh, you know, I'll tell you all about my XYZ or ABC. So it's often, it's often you know, business-centric or product-centric versus benefit-centric. So that's the first big mistake a lot of people make. A second mistake is also to do with the title and that if they do make it benefit-rich, they use words which are in very common usage, come and learn how to double your business and have more free time. Very benefit-rich, but not differentiated. So it doesn't get cut through. The title has to get through the reticular activating system, which every brain has, which is designed to filter out things that are irrelevant or that we already know about, that don't present a promise of potential or pain, and to filter in the things that that will move us forward in our life. So we've got to use words that are differentiated. We've got to use phrases which people haven't seen in common usage, and it's got to be benefit-rich. So first, first thing is to get the title right. Uh, the next biggest mistake is complexity. Very often people listen to this colleague that's kind of sitting on their shoulder going, yeah, that's not complete. Uh, you forgot to say this, or you could have added that. So they end up with this webinar, which is defensible from a colleague's point of view, but indecipherable from an audience point of view. It's too complex, in other words. We really have to put the thing together so that a 12-year-old would understand it. I mean literally so a 12-year-old can understand it. A 12-year-old who has no knowledge of your business, of your service, of your industry, if a 12-year-old can understand it, you've got it about right. You also need to make it interesting and engaging, of course. So there's quite quite a balance there between simplicity, making it simple, but having it impactful. Big mistake, complexity. Would you be able to share with us a couple of examples of, of titles, for example, where, which have done like performed very well? Yeah, right. So, so we take a client, Max, Maxtel Software, it makes point of sale software for quick service restaurants like McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, that sort of thing. So his his first title was uh, his first title was uh, Maxtel Software, effective point of sale software for quick service restaurants. Have you fallen asleep yet? 
I, I did you not see me glazing over then very slowly? <laughs> so, so what we did is we instead of just saying this is about the software, it became a demonstration. Yeah. So how our clients in however many countries it was at the time are using our software to double their sales within 90 days or less. So in, with the QSRs, quick service restaurants, and like this. So, so if you're a McDonald's owner and you see this thing about doubling sales, actually there was no mention of software. Um, you know, it was dub, doubling doubling of sales within 90 days or less. You, you, you should have an interest in that. Yeah, and so uh, I think I think in fact we did fifty percent within within ninety days. But he had a guarantee on the software that if someone installed the software and they didn't have an increase in sales of fifty percent within thirty days, I think it was, they'd get their money back. So it got it got cut through. Um, another one, Karen. Let's go to a non-commercial business, so business to consumer, because webinars work well for you know all sorts of therapist businesses and all sorts of things as well. So um, Karen had uh, anxiety counselling. So come along and have a look at our anxiety counselling model. So what she did is she created a, a name, a proprietary name. We have Leadsology. So she created a proprietary name for it, for services. And she said how to shift from stressing to progressing in less than whatever it was, 10 days, I think. So the stressing to progressing, a simple three-step model to shift from stressing to progressing within whatever it was, 10 days. So that's benefit rich. It's articulated in a way that's differentiated from competitors. It just doesn't talk about anxiety or peace of mind because a lot of people suffering from anxiety feel paralyzed. So shifting from stressing to progressing was the key phrase in that one. So it strikes me that that kind of um, it's very much aligned with what we talk about fearless business as well. That any product, irrespective of whether it's a free marketing tool or the actual product or service you're selling, needs to have three things. So it's got a specific outcome or result, the big promise or the key benefit. Um, there's a, a fixed period of time that you're going to be able to deliver that that promise or benefit within. And I suppose the only difference here is that you know the final one is is price. Now we're not necessarily talking about a price for somebody attending that webinar, but that's going to come further down the line, isn't it? If that if you strike a chord with them and then you're going to have that conversation at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that comes after the webinar when people have booked the consult to have a chat with you, or the, if you're selling off the webinar, they go to the sales page and then they're going to look at the price. But 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 dead right. My my three characteristics for an effective title is a benefit rich. It contains specifics, which can be a proprietary brand name such as Leadsology. Um, and it's differentiated so that it gets cut through. So if you've got those three things in a title, benefit-rich, differentiated, and contains specifics, then you've probably got a pretty good title. What we what I suggest to people is they come up with three variations, then take them to the market, get ideal clients, at least 10 responses, and say, which one of the following three titles would most motivate you to want to know more? And you should have, they've got to be very different to each other, but assuming they're very different to each other, you'll split the vote, and you'll have a majority of those 10 responses, pick one, and that's your title. So you should market test the title, in other words, before you actually go live. Oh, wow. I mean, that's gold, not, not just for webinars generally, but this, that's just a really simple concept for like testing a YouTube video or a tweet you're going to put out or a, no, you know, a, a, a blog post you're going to write or a book or whatever. Just do a, 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 a challenge. Know. 
That's yeah. it. A link, do a LinkedIn poll with three options in there. You know, um, you know, I, I think that's absolute gold there, Tom. So, how did you how did you get into webinars in the first place? Like, why webinars? Right. So I so I mentioned before that I used to run a lot of physical marketing events. We would hire a conference center and pack warm bodies in there, and that's how we did our client generation with live events. And I moved on from that business, I think it was 2007, 2008. And so I was twiddling my thumbs. I'd, I'd sold and I'd moved countries and kids had left home. So I had my, you know, midlife chrysalis happening, as I like to call it. Um, and, and I got an email from someone that mentioned this thing called a webinar. And I was fascinated. You know, I thought that was very clever, combined the, the word seminar with the World Wide Web webinar. So that's very clever. So, of course, it was run from the US and I'm here in Australia. So I got up at... I don't know what it was, 3 a.m. in the morning, and it was it was death by bullet point. I mean, it was awful. It was it was faceless. It was monotone. Uh, it was bullet point, pause, talk for five minutes, bullet point, pause, talk for five minutes. So I went back to bed very disappointed. But I woke up again thinking, I think this thing has legs. You know, I, I, I don't want to travel like I used to travel as much to, you know, different countries and conference centers and driving and planes and everything else. Um, we live in a beautiful location. Why don't I enjoy it more? If I, if I could make this webinar thing work, I could have the best of both worlds. I could have the lifestyle that I've come to enjoy and, and I could also have a profitable business. So that's how I got into it. Signed up to go to webinar. I think it was 2007, end of 2007, early 2008. And tested it with some clients for client work. We used to go and visit different cities every 90 days to work with clients and groups. And I tested with one group and said, why don't we try this webinar thing for our next meeting instead of me being there in person? And I did it very nervously because I know that a lot of people do prefer a physical meeting. But by and large, my clients were reasonably sophisticated entrepreneurs who were time poor, and they absolutely loved it. So that really put, you know, that, that lit the fuse, if you like, for the webinar, developing webinars. So that's how I got into it. And then what happened is to feed that business with more clients, I began marketing as webinars and people were more interested in my lead generation methods than they were with my, my coaching or consulting methods. And so that's, I, I, I came to be a marketing webinar specialist by starting as a marketing as a webinars amateur and getting pretty good at it. And in terms of kind of, so that it sounded like there was a little bit of a pivot actually that happened um, in terms of like, what was the point when you were like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this. And did you have any fears along the way as well? Because no, being a bit nervous, I get that, but that doesn't really cut it on. There must've been some other stuff at play as well, like making, making that pivot. Well, my, my decisions, you know, I, I created a framework um, for decision-making back in 2005. I published it in a book called Your Extraordinary Life. So my decision-making framework is vision. So where do I want the business to be? Where do I want to be? Uh, what do I want to be doing in the future? Uh, values, what's most important to me? And values can include things like money in the bank account. It can be as crass as that, but it can also be lifestyle, free time, family, uh, community, et cetera. So the vision and the values are the things that I made decisions by. And then, you know, you, you feel the fear and then do it anyway. So in, in my world, what was really important to me was lifestyle and contribution, everything else. And webinars was a, was a strategy or a methodology or a medium through which I could fulfill, live those values and move myself closer to the vision of being financially independent and living in paradise and also doing fulfilling work. 
So it ticked all the boxes. Um, and I can't tell you exactly when I made that transition. I know I started with webinars, live webinars in 2008. Um, and I guess the transition uh, happened within, I think, probably three years of that. And in terms of, um, you know, what's what's happened over the last couple of years, obviously there's a lot of people who are playing catch up and getting into this sort of whole online space. Has, for you, has that, has, has, you know, the whole pandemic, has that made it harder, easier, pretty much stayed the same? How would you say it's affected you? There's several different variables at play, but one of the things that's particularly notable is that when the when, when COVID hit, a lot of people were saying, well, I'll move my physical event out a month because it'll all be over by then or two months or three months or four months. Um, and these were the people who... Who, who believed that you couldn't do your marketing unless there was a physical event, that digital events just didn't cut the mustard. And it's true that digital events are not as effective if you look at attendee compared on a digital event to a physical event. Physical events are better. But you can scale attendee numbers on a digital event, which can offset the lack of effectiveness for actually being there. So a lot of those uh, webinar deniers, we might, we might call them, inevitably made the shift. And now you see three-day events that are virtual. And now that the pandemic is, you know, vaccination rates are high in most, most countries that we market to, and now that it's possible to hold physical events again, there's a very large percentage of those people who are originally webinar deniers are staying with virtual events and they're using them as an auxiliary or a complement or even a replacement in some cases to the physical events. The digital events are incredibly inexpensive. I mean, you can, you know, our last launch, we had 4,000 people register for webinars. You know, we had, I think, 1,500 people attend. You try hiring a conference center and putting 1,500 people in there yeah, for three just, days. Just the coffee alone. That's, that's <laughs> a massive commitment. That's another mortgage for a lot of people. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of people who have made the shift now from saying, it has to be a physical event to do our marketing to either we're going to do this all digitally from now on or we're going to do a mix of digital and physical events. And I, and I do think there's a place for both. I'm just too lazy to do the physical ones, so I'll stick to the digital ones. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, um, I think there's an appetite starting to come back now for the physical ones, especially here in the UK. I think there is a point where you kind of like, we can't, I, I feel like, you know, this has become my prison cell in my studio over the last couple right. of years, you know. And it, right. it's like I, I can't, I can't wait just to get back up on stage. I think the first event I've been booked, booked at officially is in uh, is in June coming up, which is quite exciting. So, right, um, you know, I'm, I'm desperate to get back out of stage. Better day release, you know. And I think a lot of I think a lot of people will feel like that too in terms of attending events. Uh, they're going to be like a can of coke that got dropped a couple of times. You know, the the tab's going to come off the top, and it's going to be. Air travel, sports events, dancing, you know, entertainment centres, restaurants. Um, it's going to be great for the economy. But then there's other people like me that are introverts and, you know, nothing changed for me at COVID, with COVID yeah. hit. You know, I, I don't get out much. <laughs> and, and I don't particularly want to. I mean, if it's, if it, it's, it's a rare occasion. So the beautiful thing is you get to choose. And now that we've been through COVID, people, a lot more people are open to virtual events than they used to be. Yeah. And I, I fully accept that a lot of people are going to be, yay, physical events are back, and they're going to race into that, and good for them. So they should. 
But I, there's also a whole lot of people that are more comfortable with digital events now as well. I know. Do, do you think there's like somebody out there who is still, I'm not doing an online event, just one person sat out there just refusing, pretending that this is just a, a thing now that that's just not happening? <laughs> Oh, I think they went bust quite some time ago, probably. <laughs> it's quite telling, isn't it? Well, it's, um, you, ha- you have to pivot, don't you? You used the word before, the pivot. I mean, yeah. you, you, you know, there'll be another pivot. There'll be something else beyond webinars. I don't know when, but it will happen. We don't know what it is. We can't see what it is. But we, we have to go and work within the parameters of reality. What's working? What's not working? All I remember hearing for the first week, apart from sheer panic in a lot of people, was, oh, it's not the same online. And I, I'm very much on the, like, you, you adapt and you pivot. So, I, like, pre, pre-pandemic, pre I had a boring white wall and a boring white Ikea book, Billy bookcase behind me, you know. Well, it's nothing. Right. That's, you know, I was just saying, for me, it was just like, I was looking yeah, at sure, it, and sure. everybody was saying... Oh, you know, it's not the same online. So I was like, right, gonna go to town, paint it bright blue, stick it, stick a massive Florent for us. Yeah, fun. Right. I had great fun building these shelves because they were too big to get into my office. So I had to then take them apart to get them in here. It's like old old um, scaffolding <laughs> boards and stuff. And um, and my wife very kindly painted the wall for me. But it's just like you make of it like what you can, like you make it as good as you possibly can with what you've got. Don't just yeah. sit there and make excuses and say, Oh, it's not it's not the same. <laughs> Well, it's yeah, and and it, and it isn't the same. I mean, it is different, and there's benefits to those differences, and yes, there are some disadvantages to the differences as well. But for me, when I look at if I find points for efficiency and effectiveness, so the effectiveness of physical events is greater than the effectiveness of digital events per attendee. If I assign points for both the efficiency and the effectiveness, including costs and complexity and everything else, webinars comes hands down better than physical events. Yeah. And remember, I've organized and conducted over 500 physical events. That's a lot. So it's not like I don't know how to do them. Uh, you know, I've generated millions and millions of dollars through physical events and through, through digital events now. So yeah. I'd like to think I have some experience in both and there is a place for both. I'm not saying everyone should replace physical events with digital events. I'm just saying, it goes right back to my one of my original comments is follow your personal inclinations. You know, what do you want to do? What sets, what, what, what sets you on fire? What excites you? Um, and, and for me, I just love the fact that I can wander down the hallway from my espresso machines, which I pay too far too much money for, uh, with my espresso, and I can be on stage within you know sixty seconds of leaving my espresso machine. I like that. Yeah. My wife's an acupuncturist; she has a home office here. Uh, we live in paradise. These are all things which which I'm which I just love. So, what is it for you? Is it the physical buzz of being on the stage with a thousand physical bodies in front of you? Pursue that. Uh, if you if you're more like me and more introverted, then maybe have a look at digital events. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm I'm with you. I think I think having a good mixture of the both, I think, is um is my personal sort of favourite. But yeah, since yeah. since they let me out, it's going to be you know all hell's going to break loose. <laughs> trust me. Give me that can of coke. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what would you say? I'm just curious. What would you say is like one of one of the biggest challenges you faced um in you know in, in since you set up and started running businesses? Businesses generally, generally, uh, yeah. I think, yeah. I, th- I think it's, I think it's second guessing. I think it's having an inclination, having the idea, and having clarity around what that looks like. Whether it's starting a program, a course, uh, a marketing idea, and then doubting, 
and destroying the idea and the potential through self-doubt. So, and that's, that's, that's often been, you know, if I'm asked for one word of advice, it's back yourself, two words there, I know, but, you know, a piece of advice, back yourself. When you have that initial idea, uh, it's normally highly intuitive. You may not think, you just think it's a random thought, but that idea comes through with clarity. That makes such sense. I feel good about this. I can see that working really well. And you, like I was saying before, you move through the doubts, you move through the anxieties, and you make that a reality despite the little voice at the back of your head, which is trying to chip away at your confidence. So that, that's that's the big thing is, is to back yourself, is to pursue the idea, get people into your orbit, into your network, into your business environment, into your personal life that are supportive and that can help you achieve that. You may not want to do all that all on your own. There are certain parts to our business, every business, that you just don't want to do. It's I talk about cats and dogs. You know, I'm a dog. I bark. I, you know, but I need cats. I need the people that can dot the eyes that have more finesse, if you like, um, that can run our algorithms, that can fill our uh, OPN assessment sheets. Technical term, I know, but you get the idea. Yeah. Their eye dot us at T crosses, and they like routine, and they want to follow a system. And I'm not. So cats and dogs recognize your inclinations. Those inclinations become a part of your role. The stuff that you don't want to do needs to get out to a freelancer or someone like that. That's right. And I'll add a third animal into the mix, cats, dogs, and frogs. Frogs like to bounce around all over the place. So, yeah. <laughs> Not sure how many of those we want in the business, but they're quite entertaining. All right. All right. Yeah. Or the near cat. Push the head yeah. up every now and then. Just look around and go, ah, oh, bugger that. And down again. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the, the comments to come in on the live stream now going, Robin, come on, get your act together. So what, what Tom, what are you working on um, right at the moment? Because I know you've got some, some very inter- exciting news. And um, uh, you, you say your news, because I don't want to do a spoiler alert, because I've got something here I'm going to show everybody in a second. There, we do have a new book. Uh, it's a second edition of the best-selling marketing webinars, and that's just been released onto Amazon. Uh, it's going to be an audible within about a week but it contains an $11,000 bonus section on building email lists, how to build a quality email list that's going to be responsive to your offers relatively quickly. So that's a step-by-step guide, a bonus in that book, Marketing Webinar's second edition. Because uh, the, the, the thing is, I'm going to have to go out and buy another version of it because I got, I got this one, you see, which I think is the first right. edition. But the trouble is that you is. turn to pretty much any page in here and it's like... <gasps> gold marketing gold in there you know um so i'm i'm really looking forward to the the updated edition as well um, when my signed copy arrives tom of course um uh, but literally it's just i was because it's not just about marketing it's not just about um uh, the webinars either the technical side of it um one of the things which i've noticed about during both of our conversations that we've had now and and what i've read in here you, it always seems to come back to mindset. You've got so many little psychological hooks in this book, which if people actually tune into those, they're, gonna, they're almost going to get more value out of those than they would necessarily the, the webinars, the marketing side of things. I, I, I hope that's right because, you know, it's every, everything that we experience in our outer world is a result of what's going on in our inner world. And so I've... I did a lot of work at a very young age on the inner world, if you like, the, the mindset stuff and the psychology and the visualization, the affirmations. So I got to a point where I could catch my doubts 
and nip them in the bud and move through them. So these days, I probably take it too much for granted how important that is. So I focus more on the mechanics. But if you don't have the inner world aligned to what you want the outer world to look like, it's simply not going to happen. So I like to think in the book, there's a bit of both. There's the, the psychology of what, you know, perhaps what's going to be going through your mind at various stages of developing a marketing system or launching a business. But there's also the very practical step-by-step part of what, what, you, what you need to be looking at and, and how you need to move forward. Absolutely. I thoroughly recommend it for everybody when it does come out. So um, you can um, put your name in the hat as well for, I think some, you've got a free copy, haven't you, which people are able to download, which I think is at yeah. tomsfreebook.com, which we'll share a link of that in the um, in the show notes as well. Um, but please, folks, do go and support Tom. Uh, I know for one, I'm going to be downloading the audio book as soon as that's available here in the UK. Um, but do support Tom as well by grabbing hold of the Kindle or the paperback too, because us, you know, poor ailing authors, we do need to make some money as well uh, to fund our habit, you know, writing books and things like that. Um, uh, Tom, how can how can people? You're on you're on uh, usual sort of mainstream social media as well. So how can people get hold of you aside from the the free book? Yeah, we just we're just uh, cancelling all our Facebook accounts. Uh, but that's 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 a different 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 interview probably. Um, so. Best thing you can do probably is get, get tomsfreebook.com, go and get download a PDF copy. And if you want the paperback or Kindle, you can always go to Amazon. But the other one is leadgenreplay.com. So we hold a monthly webinar, which is a demonstration of exactly how we do webinars and how our clients are doing webinars. So leadgen, sorry, demo.com it is, leadgendemo.com. If you go there, sign up for our next monthly webinar and sit in the grandstand and have a look at how we do it. I'm just going to write that into the comments just so we can find that. Leadgendemo.com. Um, I have to look over my mic. There we go. Pop that in there. Ace. It's just a reminder for me. Otherwise, I'll forget, Tom. Yeah, uh, thanks. Ace, I, I perfect. The wrong link before. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So do go and check that out, folks. Um, uh, I've got one final question just to wrap up the interview, Tom. So we're going to hop into the fearless business time machine. It's slightly better than the DeLorean and back to the future. This one, this one actually lasted longer than the DeLorean did, but, um, uh, uh, you get to punch in the date, Tom, into a year in your past. You're going to go back and have a word with Tom Poland minus X number of years. So what year is it? What would you say to him? 1995. 1995. And what I'd be saying to myself is, jump down the digital rabbit hole much faster, uh, get to the conferences, look for those leading edge things. There's so many things that, that have come out on the internet that have resulted in the ability to scale and do things more efficiently and more effectively, whether it's video sales letters, whether it's been evergreen webinars, all of these things when they come onto the scene uh, are outrageously successful for a period of a couple of years and then they become old hat. I think that's that's the word of advice I would have to my 1995 self is don't just think that these things are fads. You know, get in there and maybe maybe even risk being at the bleeding edge as opposed to the leading edge. That 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 would be my piece of advice, and it's still my piece of advice to myself today. <laughs> we 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 share. There's a mutual. Um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but there's some, something which we share there because I started building websites with people around about towards just you know 1999 2000. And we were building websites for other people, and I look look back about five years into the agency, thinking, God, I wish I'd bought, built more apps for myself. 
because right. we probably could have done okay but but hey that's the benefit of hindsight isn't it so unfortunately yes. but yeah no we, we learned from that and there's things now which you kind of pop up and you're like oh probably need to take note of that nfts i think is something which i think's popping off at the moment but i think we're still it's that that point where that bubble is going to burst and you know that a lot of people are going to lose yeah. out when that bubble bursts and it's just finding out yeah. how you can actually capitalize but hey it's all, all fun of the game isn't it it is. It is. I think that's a good attitude too. Is to is to. I mean, it can get very serious at times, especially if you've got a you know payroll due tomorrow night and the money's not the bank account. <laughs> but there is the opportunity to really build a great business online with relatively low overheads, relatively low commitments, but terrific results. Yeah. So absolutely. pursue it. Absolutely. Listen, Tom. It's been an absolute pleasure, folks. Please do go and check out Tom's new book, Marketing with Webinars. Uh, the, the first version of it was absolutely brilliant so the second one's going to be even better um, and Tom it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for coming on to the Fearless Business Podcast thanks Robin